welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now, it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Jesse. Like Jesse said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. If right now you're sitting at your computer, you might want to watch us live on Facebook, or do you want to watch us live on Facebook? No, not currently. Not currently, because we can't figure it out. Liz, where are you? <laughs> um, so in a minute, we will be live on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page, and it's really fun to see what goes on behind the scenes. We started to... Uh, using this new equipment called a sling for all you people out there that want to do facebook live that is a tip that i am giving you for free it's awesome but um you got to know how to use it (laughs) (laughs) but we had roger robinson a guest of the show here last week and if you got to watch it on flagandbanner.com's facebook page last week it was absolutely fabulous This show, Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, began with Entrepreneurs in Mind, a platform for me, a small business owner and a guest, to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. As with all news endeavors, it's had some unexpected outcomes. For instance, this show began with entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs in mind. But we found it has a much wider appeal because, after all, who isn't inspired by everyday people's American-made stories? Another discovery I find interesting is that many of my guests have a spiritual bent and the heart of a teacher. Boy, mine does today. She's really got a heart of a teacher. And last, that business in of itself is creative, and she's also creative. My guest today is Professor Dr. Linda Holzer from UA Little Rock. You know they've changed UALR, everybody, to UA Little Rock in case you're one. I know, I know. It's hard for me to get used to. She is a real live teacher, a professor at a college, UA Little Rock, a creative teacher of music and, more specifically, piano music. We are going to talk about her, about her business of music, about the business of music and her business of music, about live performance, and get a little history lesson on 20th and 21st century American composers with an exacting eye on a very special lady born 1887 in Little Rock, Arkansas, composer Florence Price. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you may be asking yourself, what's this lady's story and why should I listen? Well, Jesse is here to tell you. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie McCoy founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed dramatically from door-to-door sales to telemarketing to mail order and catalog sales, and now Flag and Banner relies heavily on the internet including the newest feature, live chatting. With time and experience, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge grew, as well as the confidence to branch out into multimedia marketing that began with the nonprofit Dreamland Ballroom, as well as the in-house publication of Brave Magazine, and now this very radio show. It was in the fall of 2016 when Carrie found herself mentoring yet another ambitious person and decided in a broader way to pay forward not only her life experiences, but others too. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guest about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. If you would like to ask Carrie a question or share your story, you can email questions q-u-e-s-t-i-o-n-s at upyourbusiness.org thank you jesse my guest today like i said is author teacher and pianist professor 
Linda Holzer. Dr. Holzer was born in Chicago. She was schooled in music at Northwestern Florida State and received her Doctor of Music from Chapel Hill. In 1995, she made the decision to move and join the faculty of UA Little Rock. I think it was probably called, it wasn't called LRU back then, was it? Uh, no. But it was, univer- it was UA It was, yes. Along with writing and teaching, she is a busy soloist, having performed at John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, the New Orleans Center for the Creative Arts, New York Public Radio, St. Patrick's Cathedral in San Francisco, and abroad in Europe, Asia, and Australia. Dr. Holzer's accolades are too many to list, but I especially like these two. In 2001, she was voted College Teacher of the Year from the Arkansas State Music Teachers Association. And in April 2017, Professor Linda Holzer received the Faculty Excellence Award in Teaching for the College of Arts, Letters, and Sciences at UA Little Rock. In Dr. Holzer's music research, she has five main areas of interest and in-depth knowledge. They are piano music of the 20th and 21st century, American women composers, and today we're going to dig into the life of Florence Price, born in 1887 in Little Rock, Arkansas, who became the first female composer in history, and interestingly, she was African-American. That's not just one, but two social barriers of her time. Linda will also talk about injury preventative piano techniques, very important. Concert performance technology, you know, piano playing is very technical, and mathematical, I hear. And listen up, career guidance for music majors. Dr. Holzer is the author of articles published in American Music Teacher, let me see if I can get all these right, Piano and Keyboard, Clavier, Piano Pedagogy Forum, and College Music Symposium. Did I say it all right? You did. Thank you. I practiced. It is a pleasure. Uh, oh, and she's the founding member of Duo Mariposa, the Mariposa, the Arkansas Symphony violinist with the Arkansas Symphony violinist Sandra McDonald. We'll find out more about this duet today and hear if they're still performing. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the talented musician and teacher, Dr. Linda Hauser. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. It's a thrill to be here. It is a thrill to be here because it is hectic in this room today, more so than ever before. And Jesse, did you know your mic's on and we can listen to you? <laughs> we are hectic in here. But how exciting. It Never is so boring, exciting. right? I love live reality radio. It is yeah. so good. Uh, you're a world traveler. I've been trying to get you on for a couple of um, for a couple of months, actually, and you've been it's in Europe. It's been hectic, yes. Have you been in Europe? I have. I had the opportunity to travel to Austria and Slovenia, and uh, on May 17th, I gave a concert, Masterpieces by American Women Composers, at America House in Vienna. It was really a thrill to be able to share music uh, by composers that people there had not heard before, but you know, music is the universal language, and when they heard the music, they were moved, and the program went over very well. Who'd you say's music it was? Um, Florence Price had the largest part to play on this program. You're in love with her. I well, she was my dissertation topic. You know, I couldn't remember what you said. Yeah, and so when you write a dissertation on a composer, you spend a lot of time uh, really absorbing details about their life and their work. So it helps if it's someone you respect. Mm -hmm. And uh, her music 
really is so meaningful to listeners, not just because of the beauty of the melody and the harmonies, but also because of her story and the difficulties she overcame. But, you know, it's her difficulties that probably made her who she is. She wouldn't have probably those fabulous... The intensity. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. You know, so you can't say if you didn't have that one, you wouldn't have the other possibly. Very possibly. It takes the whole, it takes your whole life to form who you are, you know? No question. So when did you first know that you had a talent for music and more specifically the piano? Well, you know, um, it's interesting. My earliest musical memories growing up in Chicago are of my mom singing along to um, Broadway musicals records that she would play on the stereo to do housework too. It was background music for running the house. And it was Broadway theater. Broadway theater. And I would sing along with her. I I learned all the lyrics to the great shows, Oklahoma, (laughs) everything. We had everything. And when I was old enough, she would buy tickets for us to go downtown to Airy Crown Theater or the Schubert Theater and see live productions. But when I was little, it was just listening to recordings. And then dad like most of the boys in his neighborhood in Chicago growing up he got accordion lessons and when I was little he would sometimes take the accordion out of its case and play (laughs) but you know you know how little kids are often afraid of the vacuum cleaner you know yeah well afraid of me I was afraid of the accordion so I didn't sing along I cried but dad was a good sport about it that is so funny. I was fascinated by accordions when I was a kid. Huh. And they're little pianos. Yeah. Well, and piano came into my life because my Aunt Jessica bought an upright for her house. And we went over to visit, uh, I think it was a, a Christmas open house. And Aunt Jessica talked to Mom about how, yeah, she had signed some of her kids up for lessons. And Mom was very impressed with this and asked me would you like to take lessons? And I'm the oldest of four siblings, so I got to be the first. And I loved it. My piano teacher was the choir director and organist at our church at mm-hmm. St. Paul Lutheran in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I studied with her for seven years. I just loved the sounds of music, being able to play myself. And uh, I was about seven years old when I started. No one had to make you practice. No. So I, if you're I making was really your, drawn to it. So if you're making your kids practice, you might as well just give it up, right? Oh, no, no, no. I think structure sometimes has to be brought to bear from parents. And uh, my siblings also took lessons, and they were, shall we say, firmly encouraged to practice. But they didn't. Uh, no, they did. That, but there was no choice not to. <laughs> but they didn't grow up to be a music major. They didn't, but they took lessons for several years, and they still benefited. That's from right. That. You can benefit from sure. just learning how to read music a little bit. I wish I could. I mean, Absolutely. everybody can learn a little bit. Um, and it's not too late. Did you know? Oh, please. If you oh, wanted to take lessons. You'd teach me? There's a, well, there's a <laughs> program at UA Little Rock, the Third Age Piano. And Third Age That's is... That's me. Yeah. So there are beginners of all ages. I'm just saying don't sell yourself short. I don't think I could. That's like learning another language. I think there's a place and moment in time in your life when you can do that. Unless you're innately adept at it, which some people are. Obviously, you are. Let me see your hands. Hold up your hands. Well, they're not exceptionally big for a piano player. You know, sometimes piano players have these really long stretches between their little finger and their... Thumb. Oh, it's big enough. I can reach a tenth. 
So did your parents, when you said, I'm going to go into music in college, did they say that's a waste of our money? Um, they wanted me to demonstrate that I understood that I'd have to support myself with this. Uh, I was about 14 years old by the time I made that determination that I wanted to go into this professionally. That young, 14 years oh, old. Yeah. And by that point, I was practicing hours every day and learning advanced pieces, but I also started to go after musical employment, accompanying gigs, that sort of thing. Did to you prove, get them? Yeah. Did you get At 14? Sure. Yeah. Where? Church, I uh, guess. Church weddings. and school. And weddings. Uh, no, because I couldn't drive anywhere, so I'd, <laughs> you know, I didn't do wedding gigs at that age. I love a church that, it, that, um, that uh, promotes children in, in music. Absolutely. And that's a very common way for people who go on in piano to um, get used to being able to do it on the spur of the moment. Mm -hmm. Because, um, well, for example, my piano teacher would have me accompany hymns in Sunday school. So I wouldn't know what the requests were going to be, and I'd have to sight-read. Oh. So let's take a break right now. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with UA Little Rock's music professor, Dr. Linda Holzer, who will tell us about the business of music and the life of a classical musician. We will talk about piano techniques for avoiding injury and the history of American women composers, more specifically, Arkansas native Florence Price. Stay tuned more to come. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. If you miss any part of this show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagAndBanner.com and click on the radio show or subscribe through your favorite podcast application. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with author, pianist, and UA Little Rock's music professor, Dr. Linda Holzer. That was you on the piano. Did you notice? I did. Thank you for including that clip. Go Florence. That was Florence Price. Yes, that was. Her uh, piano sonata in E minor, an award-winning work. That's the one she did for the Chicago in the Chicago um, Symphony. She won the Wanamaker, Wanamaker Award it. for that. Uh, she also won uh, in a different category for her Symphony Number no. One in Chicago, and the Chicago Symphony performed that. And that is how she made history, becoming the first black woman composer to have a major work performed by a major. She was the first orchestra. woman composer, too, wasn't she? No, uh, no, just black composer. Uh, the yeah, the, the I first thought she black was the woman first woman composer, composer too. On top of all of that. No. Okay. Um, before the break, we talked about going into music and mm -hmm. practicing and getting good and then taking music on as a career if you yeah. uh, wanted to go to college and do it. And you did. You went, you got a master's and then you went on to get a doctor's. Yeah. Do you think it's important for people to do that? Uh, it really depends on what you want to do in your career. It's not necessary for everyone to go on to graduate school. But in the field I'm in, in Which college is classical. teaching, uh -huh. in classical, it's common. It's very common in yeah. classical music. So now you're a musician with credentials. What do you do next when you get out of school? 
Uh, well, a successful career in music usually involves the ability to wear many hats, and I know you can relate to that. <laughs> um, people with an entrepreneurial spirit or self-starters often thrive in the music business. You'll have more in common with a small business owner as a professional musician than you would with, say, a corporate employee. And this is true for whatever style of music you make, classical, rock, jazz, bluegrass, country, western, being uh, somebody with a big bag of skills really helps hugely. Every musician is an entrepreneur. Yes. You have to sell yourself. Yes, you do. All the time. But you also have to know how to do more than just play your pieces. You have to have uh, an understanding of business techniques. You have to understand marketing you have to understand yeah. a little bit about, maybe to, a lot, about audio technology. You, you really have to learn. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Like you said, wear a lot of different hats. So how did you come to live in Little Rock? So you've graduated. You actually worked in North Carolina, I think. I did. After I finished my bachelor's degree at Northwestern, I moved to uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and I earned my master's degree there. And when I finished, I auditioned your doctor degree there, didn't you? No, oh, that was oh. the master's. Okay. Uh, I auditioned to join the artist roster for the North Carolina Visiting Artist Program, and I was so fortunate that I got on the roster and then landed a position at Wake Technical Community College. That was my first visiting artist residency. And uh, after that, I served a two-year residency at Catawba Valley Community College in the western part of the state, and it was such a fabulous learning experience. Why would you ever want to leave that and come to Little Rock? Well, because there was a four-year limit on participation in that program. So It's like being a politician. you got a four-year limit, but yeah, you don't you get had, to run again. No, you don't. So <laughs> after I finished uh, in the North Carolina Visiting Artist Program, I moved to Tallahassee, Florida, and that's where I did my doctorate. Uh. And when I finished that, like many grad students with a newly minted doctorate, uh, I started sending out my resume applying where there were vacancies. And I was so fortunate that UA Little Rock had an opening in piano that year, and they hired me. And you thought, Little Rock, Arkansas? Why am I going to Little Rock, Arkansas? I had not imagined that I would, but how cool that I intersected Florence Price's life that way. When I started the dissertation, I sure didn't know that I would be moving to Arkansas You were day. already attracted to her because you, your dissertation was on her in school. Yes. And then, oh, that does kind of seem like a providence yeah, isn't or that something. wild? Yeah, yeah, that does kind of seem odd. Because I was born in Chicago and I moved to Arkansas. She was born in Arkansas and she moved to Chicago. I noticed yes. that when I was putting together this show. It was meant show. to be. Yeah. yeah. I thought you have a lot in common, you two. Yeah. Um, so you teach piano performance, piano, I can't say this word, ped pedagogy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, creativity. Yeah. Or uh, oral skills. Mm -hmm. Ear training and sight singing, yes. Oh, music fundamentals, online. Mm -hmm. How can you teach anything that has to do with music online? Oh, uh, well, you have to have the right resources. I have a fabulous uh, e-textbook called MFUN that uh, enables me to teach that course very well online. Which courses do you like the best? Which Of all the oh, courses. Oh, gosh, you, I couldn't. You, I only named uh, four out of seven or eight courses you teach. I really enjoy them all, and they oh, allow me. Oh, she just me... thinks her boss is listening, and she's just saying <laughs> no, that. No, that's true. <laughs> I'm the sort of person who would be frustrated if I could only do one thing. Mm -hmm. I like 
having a variety of kinds of teaching because it means I meet a variety of kinds of students. Mm-hmm. I don't only work with music majors. I also, um, for example, in that course, Strategies for Innovation, mm-hmm. that is uh, for undergrads and grad students of all majors. And I love teaching that because these are people I wouldn't meet otherwise mm-hmm. if it weren't for that course. Um, yeah, right. And then you get to kind of watch what they do and how they grow up. And I think that's kind of exciting to mm-hmm. see, you know. Oh, yeah, development. I that's just, what teaching's all about, every, development. Every successful person has this little heart of a teacher. You are an actual teacher. But we all kind of like to see that we trained yeah. somebody and they kind of grew up and did good. Absolutely. It's They're, like you said, pay it forward. Kind of pay it forward. Yeah. You've written articles about piano technique and avoiding inju- injuries. Is that something you can describe on the radio or do you have to Yes, I can. It? Absolutely. And I am passionate about it. Everyone out there very likely is at a keyboard. Maybe it's not a musical keyboard. Maybe it's a computer keyboard. But the healthy injury preventive approaches are the same principles. So everyone listening out there, next time you're seated at your computer, what I want you to do okay, to, I'm to doing make it. this piano teacher happy Look, Jesse's is doing it too. sit up straight at your computer and make sure that your seat is at a height so that your arms are parallel to the floor. Your arms? Oh, when yeah, you bend Yeah, your them. forearms so are parallel you... to the floor, yes. Well, we're doing good today. Yeah, and the reason for this is your forearms have two muscle sets, at least, flexors <sighs> and extensors. And when you are seated at the right height and your arms are parallel to the floor when you rest your fingertips on the keyboard... Uh-huh. That means those muscles are in a neutral position, neither contracted uh, and or flexed. That's relax, and it makes it very easy to type for a long time in that position. Whereas if you're reaching up, one set of muscles is contracted. If you're reaching down, mm. another set is contracted, and it will cause you great discomfort. Carpal and tunnel. Yeah, could did, tendonitis. Did PNS get carpal tunnel? Is that what it's called? Um, not if you practice injury preventive technique. And then the other thing is hold your head up. Let your head rest on your skeletal structure, which won't ever get tired. Don't hunch over. If you find that your neck and your upper back are sore, the first thing you should check is your posture, whether you're at the piano or whether you're at your desk or, frankly, whether you're walking around staring at your phone. And in fact, (laughs) it takes a lot of self-control on my part not to go up to people and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, stand up straight. You're going to hurt your neck. I feel that way at the gym when I'm working out and I see someone doing lifting some weights and I go, oh, she's going to hurt her knee. (laughs) She's going to hurt her back. And I just have to make myself not go over there and tell them. Because it could scare people. But if you're listening, this is something to check out. Watch your posture. Watch your posture. Yeah. Make sure your arms are parallel to, to the, the floor. floor. Yeah. Uh, career guidance for music majors is another thing you're passionate about. It's one of the things you've got a lot of knowledge about. Well, you know, it's something that I feel tremendously strongly about. And what I would like to do is share a little story from the concert pianist John Nakamatsu. Did you find it? Um did you got your, she's I, got her notes, I will. y'all. She's I have, such a teacher. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, here we go. go. There you go. No. Well, John Nakamatsu won the Clyburn 
piano competition in 1997. He won the gold medal. And he was asked to give a speech years after that to the participants in a piano amateur competition. And here's the thing. He congratulated all the competitors, and he told them, you know, I and the other judges, we were so impressed with your playing. None of you made us feel indifferent. All of you performed in a way that made us have a big reaction. Maybe we didn't love what you did, but none of you played in a way that turned us off or bored us. We appreciate all of it. Yes. And... What happened was, as he was talking with the people who didn't win, who didn't make it to the Mm -hmm. finals, he realized, wow, they're feeling so frustrated. They're feeling upset. And I I want to help them rise above that. And he sensed that when he gave them tips on how they could have improved their performance, that they were thinking to themselves, oh, sure, that's easy for you to say. You're the judge, and you won a gold medal. And he said that he wanted to say to them, no, I'm so much more than that. And then he proceeded, my name is John Nakamatsu, and I am a loser. And he went on to list all the things that he had failed at, competitions where he had not made it past the first round. He gave years, name of the competition, and he intoned loser after each one. And the audience laughed in surprise, but his point was, hey, don't imagine that just because I won the gold medal in the 97 piano competition, don't think that I've won top prize every time. That's not how this works. And anyone who has entered music competitions knows very well, you don't win everything you enter. Sometimes you don't even make it from the preliminaries to the semifinals, let alone the finals. And that's such an important lesson to embrace. Creative success, entrepreneurial success, really depends on your willingness to come up with ideas, experiment, fail, learn from your mistakes, and try again and again and again. Persistence, tenacity, and a good sense of humor, you've got to be willing to laugh at yourself, pick yourself up, and keep going. That's tremendously important And that's really the best advice I could give to any aspiring musician. Again, no matter what style they play, that comes into it. Um, Anything you do solo, you do by yourself, whether you're an athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about that, those guys that dropped the ball in the baseball two nights ago that we could have won on the second second (laughs) game. But any time you are a successful uh, person playing, alone you set yourself up for failure and disappointment and you have to get thick-skinned about it yes absolutely and keep coming back because you're not gonna you're gonna you're gonna you learn from everyone and some of the most successful people on this show have said that their failures were their biggest uh, were their most their largest learning uh turning points in learning in their career and in their life oh so no i think that's question. what you're saying yes kind of, is don't expect to win everything but don't quit trying because you didn't win one that's right well a performance career does involve a certain amount of emotional vulnerability sure. people speak about paying your dues and developing a thick skin mm-hmm. and you know to become a performer you've got to log a lot of time playing 
and you're not going to, you know, it's like in basketball, did Michael Jordan make every three-point shot he went for? Of course not. But his percentage was higher than a lot of people's. And you have to be willing to put yourself out there and keep trying because that's how you hone your craft. Tom Brady wasn't even picked I think in the first, second, or third round. I thought I, was, he, mm, was Tom be. Brady a walk-on y'all or something like that? I mean, his dad's the one that got him. Y'all, these people in here don't watch sports. <laughs> but Tom Brady's got one of those type of stories where he just kept trying and kept trying and kept trying, and yeah. n- you know nobody really cause saw his saw his uh, saw his talent. Mm-hmm. But he just kept trying. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about performance technology. Um, yes, I really enjoy convenience. <laughs> I like resources that make my life easier and help me perform better. And so uh, something I began using in uh, summer of 2012 is iPad performance technology. What? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Go ahead. Tell yeah, everybody. the iPad um, app for score. And I upload my scores to that app and then i read the scores from my ipad and And it's instead of your sheet music and instead of having someone standing there turning your music your ipad is sitting there how does it know i was watching a guy last week play the piano with Mm -hmm. ipad for his sheet music and it turned the page on its own how did it know that Uh, it didn't know for myself i use uh, a device called an air turn and it's a pedal and it syncs Bluetooth with the iPad. And I just set it on the floor. And most people in the audience don't even notice it's there. So they imagine that, yeah, the iPad and I have this telepathy. That's what I couldn't figure but out. No, it's just I'm tapping with my left foot when I want the page to turn. It's the coolest. Uh-oh, my mic's gone. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Hello. It's really, really cool. And it's so convenient. And it it's... Uh, you don't it's, have that person up there turning the pages, which can be distracting to the audience. Because sometimes I just end up watching that guy turning the page. Well, but the other thing is, as the performer, it means that I'm always able to turn the pages for myself, even when I'm practicing. So I never have to leave notes out. Oh, yeah. So performing and practicing feel muscle, the same. There's muscle memory mm-hmm. with everything you do. When you have to stop and turn a page, that yeah. memory, your muscle has this weird sort of muscle memory about that. Yeah, it, it's just not... Not you know, ideal. and you and you need my kids took piano. I didn't, but I remember my kids would stop when they made a mistake, and then they start over, and then they'd make the same mistake in the same place, mm-hmm. and they'd stop, and then they start over, and they were actually training themselves to make that mistake in the same place over and over instead of just stopping and playing through it all the way. Is what someone told me. Is that true? Well, it really depends on what the mistake is, but what we recommend in piano teaching is if there's a spot that's giving you trouble isolate it work it out ask yourself okay now which hand is the error in is it the right hand okay then i'm just going to practice the right hand how long is the Uh trouble spot is it Uh four bars okay i'm just going to practice the right hand for four bars then i'll practice the left hand and stop and identify what the error was was it a fingering error was it a pitch error (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, the the more specific you get, the better use you can make of your practice time. If you just stop and tell yourself, oh, crap, I messed up, and start over, 
that's kind of the lucky rabbit's foot approach. You're hoping it's going to go better than the second pass, but it's not so necessarily. <laughs> you, you know, take that hard spot and do it really slow and get the muscle memory going and get the muscle memory going and then speed it up and speed it up. That's what I told my kids to do. What do you think? Uh, and identify the mistake. Yeah. Yes. All of those are it good really techniques. slowly instead of just going really fast up to it and then messing up. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, we want to talk. I want to talk about piano music for the 20th and 21st centuries because mm-hmm. that's your strength. you you know everything about that. But I really want to talk about American composers and women composers. And when we come back, I want to talk about Florence Beatrice Price. So this is a great place to take a break, and we'll continue our conversation with UA Little Rock's music professor, Dr. Linda Holzer. She is going to tell us the back history on this interesting woman, Florence Beatrice Price, first black woman classical composer. Born in 1887, 15 years after the Emancipation Proclamation in Little Rock, Arkansas. I can't wait. And I want to remind you, we're broadcasting live every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. on KABF 88.3 FM, The Voice of the People, and FlagandBanner.com's Facebook page. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of this show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagandBanner.com and click on the radio show. Or subscribe through your favorite podcast application. We'll be right back. Banner is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. McCoy began this broadcast with the intention of offering a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. Through candid conversations and interesting interviews with business and community-minded Arkansans, listeners gain insight into starting and running a business the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Carrie McCoy, founder and president of Arkansas Flag and Banner, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I'm Adrienne McNally, manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner Showroom and Gift Shop, located on the first floor of the historic DeVorean Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old-school shopping experience with front door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with author, pianist, and UALR music professor, Dr. Linda Holzer. If you've got questions that you would like to ask me, you may send an email to... Questions at upyourbusiness.org. That is Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S. Questions at upyourbusiness.org. Or you can tweet me at... Ask... Carrie McCoy. Before the break, we talked about all the things about teaching. We talked about how you become a music teacher in the first section. Then we talked about all the techniques and how to sit up straight at the ty- at your type at your computer, at your piano, how to keep your arms level, how to keep your head straight. We talked about muscle memory and practice. And now we're going to talk about something that you did your dissertation on that I absolutely love, which is actually how I met you because you were talking about, I didn't know if you remember how you met me, but I met you because you were giving a presentation about Florence Price. Yes. Let's talk about the native Florence Price born Florence Smith 
and how you came to discover her to even do a dissertation on her. Yes, well, that is an interesting story. When I decided to go on for a doctorate after finishing my last season in the North Carolina Visiting Artist Program, Mm -hmm. I knew I would need a dissertation topic. And so I started researching that during my last year in the Visiting Artist Program. And, you know, you, you want to find a topic that hasn't already been researched extensively because you're looking for something where you're going to be contributing research in the field. But it can't be something that has absolutely no information on it or you have no materials to go on. So one day I was flipping through a catalog in North Carolina. It was called the Lady Slipper Music Catalog. Lady Slipper Music Catalog. Never heard of it. Yeah, and in the back, (laughs) it was a little paper thing. That's We used paper in those days. It wasn't electronic. (laughs) And in the back, it had a small classical section. And in there, there was a cassette of piano music by Florence Price that had been recorded by Althea Waits. And I thought, hmm. So I bought a copy. And I listened to Price's music, and I thought, this is what I want to research. This composer sounds really fabulous. So uh, that's how she got on my radar. And then, you know, I I discovered a short article about her in uh, the American Grove Dictionary of Music and just went from there. What year was this? This would have been... um, 1991-92. When was all of her new materials discovered in her old house? We'll get to that to the listeners, but just when was that? That was in 2009. So it was way before mm-hmm. anybody really thought very much about her. She had kind of fallen off the radar because she, she died in 1953. Yeah. Uh, and music changed to rock and everything changed. And she kind of fell out of the limelight. People weren't really... Yeah, that's in- right. She, well, and as as a, an African-American woman composer, she had a hard time even when she was alive landing um, performances. She, she always managed to get some, but not to the extent that composers like Gershwin and Copeland and Bernstein were getting. And well, so they're when the she, exception. Well, and when she died, she had lost her most determined advocate herself. herself. And she had a lot of trouble getting her concert works published in her lifetime. And uh, I felt so fortunate that her daughters had thought to bequeath what they knew of her papers to uh, Mullins Library Special Collections in Fayetteville. And that is where I got a In Fayetteville, Arkansas? Yeah. Where you ended up coming to Little Rock and working for the same... Okay, that's just too weird. And working for the same... Yeah. The same system, Yeah. So they did, they put them in, they didn't put it in Chicago, they put it in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yes, they did. In, um, you know, Price died in 53, and her daughters bequeathed the papers they had in 1974. And so I was able to get a photocopy of the manuscript, the, you know, handwritten manuscript for her piano sonata. And that was part of what I studied for my dissertation. So what did you do? You took the manuscript and you went and you sat down and you played it and then you then you wrote all about what it was you liked about it, what it was you you, you analyzed it today. I did an analysis of it. Mm-hmm. I put it in context and I tried to make it clear to readers why this was a worthy work, why mm-hmm. other pianists should want to perform it, how uh, price should be placed in 
the canon of American composers. Did you talk about her uh, her culture and her religious background when you were making your argument for her? I mean, she yes. did things like uh, Three Little Negroes Dance, Songs of the Dark Virgin, My Soul's Been Anchored in the Lord. You know, all these things have all this culture behind her that about her about her african-american heritage and and christianity so you sold that to the school when you were trying to i mean is there any other composers that that have done that um she was pioneering and you know what happened is she earned her uh, bachelor's degree at the new england conservatory and this was not long after the european composer antonin dvorak had visited there and Dvorak had been invited to come by a philanthropist who wanted to give a big boost to American music. And she asked Dvorak to please address the topic of how can we really successfully create American music that is you know, listened to around the world. And Dvorak said, you have this beautiful heritage mm-hmm. of the Negro spiritual. Mm-hmm. I've heard it on my travels here. This should be one of the wellsprings that American composers draw from. Mm-hmm. And black composers like Florence Price and William Grant Still and uh, William Dawson and Nathaniel Dett, mm-hmm. um, they all took that to heart and they were tremendously grateful to Dvorak for validating their heritage. So let's talk about, because we're running out of time. Damn, God, man, I could talk to you for a long time. So uh, his, her father was a born a free man. He was a yes. dentist in Little Rock, Arkansas, actually hailing, doing business somewhere down around my business, Arkansas Flag and Banner on mm-hmm. 9th Street. Yes, probably. And, uh, and, when, and her mother was a musician. Mm-hmm. And she did her first piano, per- Florence Price did her first piano performance at the age of four. Yes, she was a prodigy. I would say Florence Price was born with music in her heart and from the youngest age until her untimely death, she just kept looking for opportunities to share it. She was a tremendous entrepreneur. Um, Yeah, she had to sell herself all the time. Oh, she sure did. And after she earned her bachelor's degree, she didn't stop learning there. Um, She worked as a teacher. Yeah, she was a teacher, uh, And uh, then uh, married and had children. And then after that, she looked for opportunities for more musical education. She She would travel early. Uh, Eventually, she divorced. Not very many people got divorced back then. No, that's true. She was a pioneer in doing that. And then she had yes. her two daughters that she had. She was a single parent. Yes, she was. In the early 1900s. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah, she had to work tremendously hard. And the fact that she was still so prolific, that she wrote these large-scale works, several symphonies, a piano sonata, uh, some really substantial chamber music pieces, uh-huh. despite not having the same kinds of um, support from publishers that uh, composers like Gershwin and Copland and Bernstein well, did. did yeah. I mean, really, think how many people didn't. I mean, I mean, those guys are the best. Of the, I mean, they got the most popularity of anybody. They got the most breaks of everybody, don't you think? Well, uh, I mean, they're the big guys. They got to do everything. She got great reviews it when her works were performed. Too. She, If circumstances had been different, I think she, she could have been popular in her own right. Yes. But if circumstances would have been different, she wouldn't have had such great 
emotion to write about. No, that could be. You know, it takes the whole ball of wax. You know, your ifs, ifs and buts. Ifs and buts. Yeah. So uh, she, uh, I think this is interesting. Talk about a wellspring of places of emotion. She left Little Rock. Her whole family left Little Rock. Yes, in 1927. When they lynched John Carter right down there on That's 9th right. Street. And it was just so horrific that Truly. so many African Americans left Little Rock. We were kind of modern and hip place Mm -hmm. very cultural when that happened so many affluent african-americans left little rock yeah and she was one of those people and within two years she had a symphony play she had a she had she had composed you know i think um if i remember correctly it was right after her divorce was finalized that she started composing symphony number one and you know a lot of people wouldn't have been able to be creative under those circumstances, but it didn't hold her back. It's almost like strife makes you more creative, I think. I think some of my best ideas come from strife. I have a friend who's a photographer, and back really a long, long time ago, he said, I just have to be upset all the time to get good pictures. I was like, well, it's not worth it. Hey, have we got (laughs) any of, uh, have we got got some of Florence Price's music, not not that Linda played, but, but that was from an orchestra? Yes, I believe that we have the orchestra symphony uh, in E minor. Mm-hmm. That would be her symphony number one. That's the one she won the awards for, right? Yeah. Let's, let's hear a little bit of it. that was really good you're listening to up in your business with me carrie mccoy and i'm speaking today with author pianist and uaLR's music professor dr linda holzer that was really beautiful yes what she was that truly, weird noise in there uh i'm not whistle? sure about that a whistle i am I, there was a whistle I, I or something in there yeah you didn't hear that in there I, I did hear it but i haven't seen the score so i'm not sure what that was i am a little bit interested in that you're right it's very complex so uh let's talk about your 
life. What were you, you were performing in Australia. We've got just five more minutes. You were performing in, Aust- did you say Australia is where uh, you just got back from? Well, no, most recently Austria and Austria. Slovenia. Yes. Well, Austria is the, is the mother of music, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that where Vienna, all music City of came dreams. from? Yeah. So were you under, were you, were you nervous about performing in the, um, no, I think after a certain point in your career, you reach the point where you trust your skills and you know who you are and you just, you share what you know you have ready to share. Tell us one of your favorite performance stories, good or bad. One oh, that you think goodness. about at night when you're going to bed. Everybody has this. They go to bed at night. Mm. It could be 10 years ago and you go, oh, I wish I had done that different. Or I loved I did that. Yeah. Well. Share one. Because um, when you do live performance, it's emotional yeah, you know, it is. and you remember it. Well, um, I do have uh, several favorite listening experiences. Probably uh, for a recent performance, one of my favorites was the the performance in Vienna, because even though no one in the audience had ever heard of these composers and had never heard these pieces, you could have heard a pin drop. They were listening intently, and in a live performance. When you don't hear rustling paper and fidgeting in seats, that's really, you know, you're shaping the phrases, you're thinking about what's coming up, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, they're with me. Mm-hmm. And that, that's really special. It's that's what it's all about. It is. It, mm-hmm. yeah, very much so. Music does just bring everybody together. Truly. Uh, what is it you, so is that really what you like about live performances yes it is absolutely i think it's good for us it's certainly good for us as musicians but it's good for the audience too people come away from a performance feeling emotionally soothed or thrilled or feeling something Mm -hmm. and it's good to feel Mm -hmm. Uh, you were a founding member of the duo mariposa the arkansas symphony with this arkansas symphony violinist sandra mcdonald Mm -hmm. You still doing that? Yes. Uh, we both have very busy schedules, and Sandy, especially with the symphony season, has quite a lot on her plate, and so we perform periodically. And for often, what type of stuff? Yeah. For well, what? it's chamber music, and often we perform as Mariposa and Friends. So we'll, we'll do a program that might have a few pieces that are duos for violin and piano, and then we might do a trio or a piano quartet or a piano quintet or, you know, other combinations of Why instruments. Why mariposa? It means butterfly in Spanish, and we thought that sounded pretty. It does. <laughs> I looked it up. I thought, butterfly. I wonder why they did that. Yeah. I like it. It seems to fit Arkansas. This is Thank a beautiful you. state. It is. Thank you so much. So how do people find out about you? Um, visit my website. If you Google my name plus piano, you'll find my website. And it's Holzer, H-O-L-Z-E-R. That is correct. And we'll put it at flagandbanner.com's website, too, if you want to go there. And you can click on her podcast, which will be available next week, and we'll have your, her contact info. You've got something to invite your listeners to. Yes, indeed. Before we close, I wanted to be sure to extend an invitation to listeners for a special concert this September 16th. My colleague, baritone Emery Stevens, and I will be collaborating on a Sunday afternoon concert at UA Little Rock. Please join us September 16th in the Stella Boyle Smith Concert Hall at 3 p.m. to listen to music by Florence Price, William Grant Still, Leonard Bernstein, 
Richard Strauss, and other great composers, we guarantee you'll feel inspired by what you hear, and admission is free. Oh, I love that part. Yep. So it's 3 o'clock, September, September the 16th. 16th, yes. At UALR Stella Bowles Center. Thank you, Stella Bowles. Yes, indeed. Um, is it just going to be a, you in a baritone? Or is there going to yeah. be more? No, no, that's just it. it. Just y'all. The I two of it. us, yes. Songs and solo piano. How long do you have to practice to get ready for something like that? A long time. I bet. Yeah. You Are you already practicing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But don't you love that? Oh, I do. It's I, like being a farmer. You plant the seed and you get really excited as it grows through how stages. How long are your practices? An hour? Uh, no, usually more than that. Y'all, you've just got to love it to commit that kind of time and stuff. To it. I have a present for you. Well, that's so thoughtful. Thank you. Oh, I'm trying to be thoughtful. So ah, it's a desk set. Perfect. For your teaching office. That I know you got marvelous. one. There's the U.S. flag. Yes. There's oh, the, the Illinois, sh- Illinois flag, flag and the Arkansas flag. That's perfect. And there's the Arkansas flag. Representative yeah. of both me and Florence Price. Yeah. No. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Who's our guest next week? You got DJ Bob Robbins coming on. Who doesn't love DJ Bob Robbins? Everybody loves him. He's like, he's like a, do you know who he is? I have not met him. Well, I can't that he has been if you liked country music you probably don't ever listen to country music but he is I the do country do you? he's sure. the country music legend dj legend in little rock arkansas he owned uh bj honky tonk he uh he's now on the wolf and uh, he's going to be on here next friday and he's going to tell his stories and honey he has got stories you know one time that he was is. almost beat to death with a baseball bat oh that's my. one of my favorites <laughs> There was a reason it was called BJ Honky Tonk, because it was a honky tonk. Yeah. Uh, all right. If you have a great entrepreneurial story you'd like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio or your contact info to questions at yourbusiness.org. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you, you're right, but it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it Whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. If you would like to hear this program again next week, a podcast will be made available online with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Carrie's goal, to help you live the American dream.